What you noise can... is World Cup? Eh? <laughs> Great start here. Can Flint Dempsey score? Yes! The Owners ahead! Oh, he's trying to find him. It's broken for Fabregas. Now it's in the Esther. This is it! Chin! Chin out! Mezzanazzi! He's looking for three goals. Yes! yes! Hello and welcome to the Football Fives podcast. We have World Cup fever, do you? Uh, my name's Daniel Story and I'm joined by two people tonight. Christopher Nee is very busy and very glum about football, club football, uh, to be focused on the World Cup. But I do have David Hartwick with me. Hello, Dave. Hello. Hello, Ryan Keeney. All right. Yeah, you that sound like Chris Nee's involved in the chats about Aston Villa. He is, but... In terms of World Cup fever, I think me and Dan are about a 12 out of 10, and you're about an 8, aren't you, at the minute, Ryan? Probably a 6. Yeah, so he's changed. He's got the BBC, hasn't he? <laughs> yes. I mean, I thought we could keep that out of the podcast, Ryan. My, my opinions are very much my own and not those of the... Uh, no, just for. to clarify, these are all the BBC's opinions. <laughs> I was going to say something there. That would mean <laughs> so was I. A horrible podcast edit, so we'll leave that. Um, we're going to do the first half of our World Cup previews this evening. Uh, as is tradition, we'll go for groups A, B, C and D. See what we've done there. But because our podcast is Football Fives and we have five questions, there will still be five questions. We are nothing if not gits to a format. Fine. And the first of those questions is... Are Russia going to be the worst hosts in World Cup history? And to put that in perspective slightly, South Africa are currently the worst hosts in World Cup history. In 2010, they took four points from a really strong group, France, Mexico, Uruguay. Mm -hmm. They beat France, lost to Uruguay, drew with uh, Mexico and went out, but went out with some glory. Uh, Will Russia be worse than that, David Hartrick? Yes, Question number two. Um, They've got some very key injuries in defence, where they are weak anyway. They've got Alan Jagarev, who's basically a decent player and a goal threat, but he's wretched injury record. Iger Akinfeev is they're probably one world-class player, and in terms of goalkeepers, he is world-class, but he's very much at the lower end of that scale. He's not a De Gea, he's not a Courtois, etc., I, when I was doing the excellent previews for football365.com, available we'll, we'll now, judge of that. Um, my big issue with Russia is that I, I struggle to see them scoring goals, but then you look at their opponents, they're not going to beat Uruguay, and they will concede a lot to Uruguay. They're, I think they might beat Saudi Arabia in the first game, um, but Saudi Arabia have... have lost their one of their best players basically to to injury and I think the opening a home tournament I I think it'd be a stinker of a game but I think they might have enough to win that but Egypt I don't know if you two have seen any of Egypt or watched Egypt but Egypt are very much a look for Salah team and they play they essentially play a 4-2-3-1 that becomes a 5-4-0-1 and 
they will be extreme. I mean, Cooper will not want to concede. That will be his goal from for every game. And they will look to Salah in that second and third game to try and get something out of them. And I, you know, you've got a team who are very, very good defensively and will have basically nine players in front of goal. And you've got Russia who aren't particularly good in goal, uh, in front of goal and don't really have any creative talent there. I like Denis Cheryshev when he, he plays, but he has a very complicated relationship with the Russian team and he probably may not start. Um, but it's, I just, I don't think, I don't think, I think they'll get three points, but I can't see where another three comes from. And I just think Egypt will stifle them, stifle them, stifle them and play on the counter. And if it's not Salah, there'll be somebody else who could very well score against that Russian defence. I think if it was any other, if, the, if for example, they were given the 2010 group that, that South Africa had, I think they might well end up with naught points. Yeah. Um, it should be said that South Africa took a advantage of a, a French shambles to win that final game and get to four points. Um, I, I think Russia are as bad a team as South Africa were in that tournament. Uh, I do think that... The thing with Egypt is, Salah obviously was injured in the Champions League final and there was never any doubt that he was going to be fit for this tournament or he was going to be declared fit for this tournament. didn't realise. Nobody's <laughs> barely What's been that? mentioned. He's injured? Yeah. You weren't a seeing about BBC, uh, don't right. do football. No, right, right. And I, I, there was never any doubt he was going to be back for this tournament because you cannot overstate his importance, not no. just the Egypt national team, but the Egypt national team's importance to the country. He, so he was never going to miss this tournament. But they're already saying we're going to have him back for the second game, which implies that he's never going to be match fit throughout a, the tournament. Yeah. It's a Beckham meditation. It is, yeah, yeah, it is. But they, he, like more than Messi and more than Ronaldo, I mean, Argentina's dependence on Messi is... Slightly embarrassing. Egypt's dependent on Solaris is absolute, complete, and won't change. No. The issue is with with Egypt is that even if he's half fit, they will not change their game plan. Their game plan will still be to mm. rely on him to do something. But I, I just, I can't see Russia scoring against them. No. That's that's the thing. And I think Salah was he, he scored in four of six match days in that final qualifying group. Two of them were winners. He was absolutely vital. I can see him at least even mentally just dragging a little bit more out mm. of some of his teammates and that's where Russia are, are gone for me. The bookmakers, Ryan, have mm. no doubt Russia are 1-3 to three to qualify. Really? Yeah, mm. Egypt 7-4, to four, Saudi Arabia as long as 11-1. to one. Um, so They have no doubt. Do, do you think that being the host country can drag Russia through as it sometimes tends to do? Yeah, it's... Yeah, I think it can do. I think it's um, that there will be a grind to it. It depends how that was done. I don't. It just. I think this. I think my in my head when I think of Russia, I think of grey and kind of quite uh, stern people. I can't see them being enraptured by racism. But (laughs) probably is. But you know that's the the kind of stereotypes that we have. That and you can't see a party. No. Whereas you think of the World Cup hosts and and the non kind of footballing pedigree countries that have hosted the World Cup in my lifetime. So you've got the USA, Japan, South Korea, South Africa, and uh, that was it, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, to yeah. yeah. The, they kind of, they lended themselves to kind of that, that party and, and people being enthusiastic about it and kind of seeing how it goes. Whereas almost with the Russians, you kind of think that they'll 
expect to be entertained by a team that aren't good enough mm. to entertain them and get they're not going to be good enough to light that fire and, and light that fuse underneath them. Um, so it, it will be interesting. I think the, the the flip side of that, the bookmakers are probably so keen on that is because Salah has been injured and, mm. and that as Egypt game plan relies so heavily on him that the next best team in that group is Russia and, and by hook or by crook they'll, they'll find a way through. I think the... Um, the uh, that wasn't meant like that, but sure. yeah, um, is an interesting phrase. The, because the kind of the saving grace for them is the final group game is against Uruguay, and I fully expect Uruguay will have six points by then. That, uh, yeah, I and really... they might lift the foot of the pedal. And if Russia need a result, that could be the sort of game that yeah, even if they the draw, they yeah. draw, you might you could see something yeah. come back. I, that you know is purely just looking at, at fixtures and and what size you need to get from it. Yeah, I think. The problem is, I think there could be quite an advantage to finishing top in this group. So if if it comes to that game, and you know Uruguay certainly wouldn't want to finish on six points and be done on goal difference or mm. anything similar. I think they will. They will if it comes to it. They will take the draw. I, I think the reason they are Russia short, short odds is because they play Saudi Arabia in the first game. Mm. And it's very rare that a team wins its first game at a World Cup and whether whether there's a party atmosphere or not, that clearly galvanises a team. Mm-hmm. It's rare that a team wins their first I, game and then goes out. I've said I think they'll get. I think they'll win that game, but I think that's where the bump stops because right. I think after that game the football starts and yeah. that's where they struggle. I think the disappointing thing for me in general is just how few Russians have kind of been produced for this. Like there's no one who was in this World Cup for mm. a pre- relatively long time had a chance to kind of put their, their money into creating a team and, and building towards this, and they've, they've just not done it. There was. Instead, the money went on kind of promoting second division sides that have got our whole city and yeah. forcing them into yeah. the top division and hoping that did it. It was like a top-down kind of plan, which um, doesn't strike me as the uh, most but they, the they, wisest. I think the other thing is you look at the Confederations Cup and they beat the, in a very poor New Zealand side and lost the other two games. And that's been their only competitive football for a couple of years. They had a good result against a sort of bit of a patchwork Spain side, but they got completely outplayed by France and Brazil, who, you know, were playing at half pace. They had a Iran are better than most people think, but they had a one-one home draw with Iran mm. where they were saved with a goal ten minutes from time. It's there's just not enough there. It's just mm. not enough quality. And if there. if that first game does start going badly, never mind a part of the atmosphere, you can see the Russian public getting on the back of that well, team the, very quickly. The manager, when he was appointed, was told he's got to make the semi-finals. And that is not going to happen. <laughs> it's just a good job, you know, historically Russian state disappointment well. <laughs> <laughs> Should be absolutely fine. Yeah, yeah. Your, your, your accidental dig of by hook or by crook is interesting because pretty much every time I make a point to anyone about Russia, maybe someone that's not as interested in football... Um, they say, mm. yeah, but they'll find a way. Uh, Argentina 78 is kind of in everyone's minds, etc. Et do we think there's a real chance of any no. silliness? You don't think so? No. I think even if the game was thrown, they're not good enough to beat Uruguay or Egypt. <laughs> without it Kicking being, the ball in their own goal by mistake. Without it being so pathetically obvious. Right. I, I just, Which is the politically right answer, by the way. There. They... The one thing they had was a defence that on its day was okay. Not good, mm. but was okay. In the shave, the they've, essentially, they've essentially lost three of their mm. back four. So the strength they had, 
And Akinfeeva is a good goalkeeper, but you know we all know he is prone to having one of those games. Mm. And if he has one of those games in any of these three games, they're gone, they're done. Mm. So I just the margins are too slim. I almost, me. I almost think they'd have been better getting a group of death and yeah. being able to hold the hands up and go. Well, do you know what? We had a go at it and we came up short. This group is a nightmare for them because yeah. I think the best that they'll do is come second and then lose to Spain. Or win the group and probably lose to Portugal. So if there'd have been Nigeria in Group D, they would have been happy as happy as. But as it is, you mm. know they're struggling. Right, we'll move on to question two. If everyone's ready, yeah. Um, group B: Spain, Portugal, Morocco, Iran. Do we consider this as the the group of death? You've got uh, Portugal, who are the reigning European champions. You've got Morocco, who are the reigning African champions. You've got Spain, who have obviously recently won European Championship and World Cup and you've got Iran who are kind of uh, I suppose one of the the unknowns of the tournament but by no means a mug no um, Ryan is this the hardest group to call or can you foot them in quite nicely I think it's Portugal Spain top two easily yeah I think it, uh, they'll be made to work for it um, but yeah I am I'm not as convinced as you're not the two. having Morocco. I'm not having the two disappointed faces staring back at me. Okay, because you both seem to think that this is going to be tougher than it than I think. <sighs> the th- right, Spain are sexy. Spain are yeah. Well, Spain will top this group. Yeah, and if if they don't top this group, that's a pretty abject favour failure. And it also massively suits Spain to have that Iberian Dowry first, first up. Yeah, yeah. And get that done, but. Morocco are very, very good defensively. Mene Benaccio may have a word with one or two in that Spain team after that so that game against Real Madrid, where he gave away the penalty at the end. They haven't got loads of goals in them, but they're a good counter-attacking side and they won't get beaten out of sight by anybody in this group. Iran, best qualifiers from their region, really, really tough to break down. Very, very tough to break down. They don't concede many goals. Again, I don't think anybody's going to spank them. They've also got a couple of really good players going forward who could catch Portugal or Morocco by surprise. Portugal have got all their older guard playing in the final World Cup and they were ruthless in qualifying, you know, absolutely Mm. ruthless. And they will want to bring a little bit of flair back to it. Bear in mind that going out of that group in 2014 was absolute failure as European championships this time to go out of the group stages would be unthinkable for them they'll be you know they will be desperate to avoid that but Morocco I think have had a stinker with this draw because they would be they would be comfortably half the sides that are at this World Cup and they're in a group with two that they're going to have to be at their absolute best I think the thing with Morocco and and admittedly I haven't watched as much football as you two will have done about this they feel like the team that they could take a result off Portugal or Spain and then all, but then also drop points against Iran. That that I think is the difficulty yeah. where I can see Portugal and Spain, the loser of that opening game, which almost certainly be Portugal, just being so ruthless that they do what they did to the USA um, and just kind of pull results out of, of nowhere and, and kind of sucker punch them. It won't mm. be. I don't think it'll be particularly attractive the, the Portugal games, but. They will. They'll, no, get, they'll get to the knockout stages. I I hope they are. I hope they play with a little bit more flair. But I don't. I think you're probably right. And I've 
predicted that I think Spain first, Portugal second, but I think it will be by a hair's breadth. Mm. I think goal difference. Mm. I think there'll be good games to watch. I think that it's vital for Portugal to first up against Spain to certainly not get beaten by more than a couple of goals if they lose, Mm. if they can't get anything. If if they go, if they get gubbed three or four nil in that first game, they are in this group. They are bang up against it Mm. because goal difference could be a factor. The, The the interesting thing with for Portugal with me is yes, they are the European champions, but. They could so easily have gone out of that Euro 2016 group stage when they were left needing late mm. goals, needing things to turn their Drew way. Of their group games, didn't they? Exactly, didn't win a group yeah. game, yeah. Um, and then kind of pulled it out of the bag from then on. They're the, they are the, as well as Argentina, who will come to later, they are the kind of what I'd call a pillar, a giant, who I can see having that traditional French-style implosion, where if... Ronaldo doesn't get his way in the opening game if they lose to Spain if he feels like people aren't pulling their weight and he's been left isolated uh, and then they they then go into the Morocco game they I think Portugal have it the worst order for them mm. Spain in the first game mm. they're needing to beat Morocco who mm. is the second hardest game if Morocco have beaten Iran Morocco are more than happy the longer Sit it goes nil-nil the better yeah, yeah, for yeah, straight yeah, yeah. and they're the ones that I do see obviously I think Spain will win the group um but Portugal, I just worry they might have a a post a post victory because we know. I think I think for the last four World Cups, I think Brazil are the only ones, the only defending champion not to go out of the group stage. So obviously France collapsed in two thousand and two after winning. Yeah. Uh, Italy collapsed in two thousand and ten after winning. They went out to, in a group with Slovakia and New Zealand and Paraguay. I think keep tapping the table. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so they, they, you know, there is form for this, yeah. and I just wonder if if it's so much on Ronaldo. Um, well, I know they've got a good player. Bernardo Silva's a great player, and Hamad yeah. is playing ten. I think the other side of it is that they play a four four two, and they are all entrenched in that four four two. They all know their jobs. They won't be asked to do anything different. They can get on. And play now. They haven't had the best run of friendlies, but I, I, like friendlies before a World Cup, I just think are a nonsense anyway. Because you got fifty percent of the players who just don't want to get injured. Yeah. So I think they're a bit of a nonsense. But I I think they'll do it. But I think it like say skin of their teeth because I think Morocco and Iran. I'll be honest, and Iran. I mean, one of the things I said in the preview is that you don't have to measure. Um, progress in one World Cup performance. Iran have come on like massively, mm-hmm. massively, and got through their two qualifying groups with like minimal fuss. Really impressive, and it's a stinker for them as well mm-hmm. because there are groups at this World Cup where they would have had a, a decent squeak at a knockout game. So I don't think. I mean, I was talking to somebody else and they were saying, "Oh, they just think Spain are going to gub everyone and Portugal will do it." I don't think it's going to be that sort of group. I think Spain will win it comfortably, but I can't. I don't think they're going to gub anyone five or six. Yeah. With the confidence we have in Spain, do we think Spain are back, or are we just their style yeah. of play is more more that these? One, of the, can one of the things that's key, I think, is like the new managers come in and he's a lot more flexible in terms of a his personnel and b changing the system and changing players' roles. Like with David Silva, where he's he's pushed him right up, so he's almost playing as a second striker. And it serves Spain well because it's created a spirit competition. You've got to play well to keep your place in that side. And I mean, they have 
they have looked otherworldly at times mm. over the last 12 months. I think they probably have Spain. Uh, it's a cliche to say tournaments are won, you know, midfield battle, etc., etc. But I think Spain have probably got the best central midfield options. Yeah. They've got Thiago Alcantara, they've got Sergio Busquets, they've got Koke, they've got David Sol. Silva being pushed up. Yeah. Sol. They've got Saul Nuguez. They've got incredible options in central midfield. And if it comes down to them needing to impress their passing on any team but the best two or three in this competition, I think they can do it. Mm. I don't think they're as good as as Germany, France and Brazil, but they've won World Cups more recently than all but Brazil. So they've got know-how in that team as well with, you know, Iniesta's still there, for goodness sake, yeah. you haven't mentioned him. I think the difference with Spain is I think their manager is better than Deschamps. So I think if they come up against France, they might get past them. But to go to go back to this group, I, I just think, is it the group of death? I'm not sure it's a classical group of death, but I think Spain are very, very happy. Portugal are looking over their shoulder and the other two are gutted, mm-hmm. gutted. The other thing I'd say for Spain is that having a good, another good team in your group can be a good thing if it, if it yeah. brings out a performance, if it tests you at a tournament level before you, we've seen before that teams, you know, coast their way through a group and then play the first hard team and realise, yeah. oh, actually, it's not as easy anymore. Spain, <laughs> lost their first, game, yeah. Spain mm. lost their first group game, went on and won the World Cup. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's the groups at a World Cup, you just got to get through them. It's mm. why I can't get on board with everybody slagging England off all the time. You've just got to get through it one way or another. No team wins. I can't ever remember a team in history winning a major tournament without having one bad game along the way. Mm. I mean, Portugal, they had, what, three periods of extra time in four knockout games mm. in the and, Euros? And a bad group stage, yeah. 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 They, so, were, they were very big dogs in that group stage. Yeah. They had three teams yeah. that just put 11 men behind the ball. Mm. Anyway. Group C? Group C. Uh, the question here is, uh, and it's been very presumptuous and slightly patronising to the other three teams in the group, but... Which one of Denmark, Peru, Australia will finish behind France? Not Australia. Is that your answer yeah. immediately? You know, I, re- I really feel sorry for Australia because they there's a lot of likable players in that squad. But after the last World Cup, when they got Spain, Netherlands, Chile, <laughs> and they then get France, a very good Peru side, and Denmark, who are yeah. better than better than you think and they, as a squad. That it's just like they're not good enough. No. no. They're still Tim Cahill's still your plan. Yeah, there. that's that's the point I made in my preview. Thirty-eight-year-old and clubless Tim Cahill still gets time on the pitch, and that is he's not a good. I mean, he reflection. scored an incredible volley in the last one. So if he <laughs> does that again, he will score a goal. Yeah, yeah, no well, doubt. yeah, yeah. But you see, Fine. this was the thing. One of the other points I made is Australia. I've often been a lot of fun at World Cups. So like two thousand six, you had Graham Pohl, and then you had that game against Italy <laughs> with the ninety-fifth. Minute yeah. penalty from Totti. You had the three-two with the Netherlands, and Kale was like brilliant goal. You had that game against uh, was it Serbia with their final group game where they like moved mountains to win, but Ghana kept Germany to one goal, oh, yeah, one yeah. nil. Yeah, yeah. Didn't go through. So we might get something fun along the way, but no, they. I mean, like Morocco and Iran, they've had a Reggie blinker, haven't they? Here with this draw. So Peru or Denmark, Ryan? Uh, uh, Peru, I think. Peru are—I don't want to use the word hipster because it's become pejorative—but Peru are the team that are not dark horses because it doesn't feel like a tournament where it feels like a big four and the Belgium, rest mate. tournament. Belgium are my yeah, dark horses. <laughs> but if Peru are a team that tenth in the world, Peru. Yeah, but the 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 thing is, 
South American qualifying is incredibly tough to get through. Yeah. Mm. It clearly yeah. is. But also a team like Peru, whose home record is far stronger than their away record, there is a massive difference between coming to Russia and playing, you know, I know parts of Russia are very warm, and it, but it's a very different place to go mm. and play the same football as you've played in Lima in South American qualifying. But they finished, you know, they finished ahead of Chile, they finished ahead of Paraguay and Ecuador, and Ecuador in qualifying. Them, all three of them are fancied. Um, and they clearly have a, a feel-good spirit. They have Paolo Guerrero back after his um, his drug ban, uh, his kind of willy-won'ty, and that will give them a huge amount, a huge lift going into the tournament. Um, but I can't help feeling, almost as I, as I think is happening with Egypt, that they're being so underrated that everyone's saying yeah. they're going to be good, they're going to be good, that it almost leads to them slightly disappointing yeah. me. The, the, the thing about Peru is that They've they lost 2-0 to Brazil in 2016. They've not lost since. I think it's about 16 games now. They got through qualifying really impressively. I mean, to get there was a 10-point shift to get them into fifth place from where they were in 2014. So that's a, it's a massive achievement in and of itself. And they've got some really good players. You know, Edison Flores on the left is an excellent player. Christian Guevo is a really good number 10 who has, I think, got quite a good future. But they're, they're quite solid defensively. And they attack really, really well. But my problem is they had to wait till the last day of May to find out if their captain, this big talismanic presence, is going to be in their team. He is. There has been literal protest on the streets of Peru. There was uh, like 40,000 people in the national stadium, prime minister there talking about it, etc. They, now they've got Guerrero. Jefferson Farfan's been playing in the middle and he's been doing all right. He's probably not even going to get into the team now because I don't think he'll, he'll get in on the right-hand side and they won't play it too. Guerrero's not played much football but played in the friendly, scored a goal. There's pressure on him to play in the team. And I just wonder if all this goodwill, etc., that first game against Denmark, if they don't get a result, does it pop the bubble? Mm. Does it very, very quickly from a massive emotional high, suddenly become... But I want to I talk a little bit about Denmark. No, Yeah, Which is a good thing. Um, <laughs> this Denmark side is really, really solid. Yeah. Really solid. You've got... They can play a two or a three at the back. Simon Keogh, I think, is a really good defender. And he can play Christiansen, who's been really, really good, and Vestergaard on the right-hand side of him. So they, they can have a very impressive three. Then William Quist and Tom Stellani in front of them. That is solid. Solid. Yeah. Very, very good. And Peru, as good as they are going forward, that is tough to break down. The other thing is, Denmark have a little genius mm. with Ericsson. And if Ericsson is on form, he will create goals. Went missing from training, though, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> So I, I, I'll take up the point on Ericsson because in the Premier League and actually in Europe over the last couple of years, it feels like teams with like the rise of the kind of pure creator, the, the player who you know we've delighted in De Bruyne. Ericsson's been magnificent. The year before that, it was Urzel creating chance after chance after chance. Even Cesc Fabregas did it. Mm. Uh, those creative players at this World Cup, in a World Cup where teams are, a lot of teams, I suspect, sadly, will sit back certainly in their yeah. first game and try not to lose having that pure creator given that Peru Denmark is the first game that to me feels like the, that feels Which like the difference in this group, group. Yeah. The, 
Ericsson against the Republic of Ireland was unbelievable yeah. in, the, yeah. in those playoffs. Like, just so, so good. Each goal but, was better than the last yeah. one. And, was and it was... That, that was the Republic of Ireland that set up exactly like that. They, they set up not to lose. Yeah. Memo and the ball kept their, their structure. And, and Ericsson was finding space and doing things with it and putting the ball in the back of the net. The question like, is, the, so, the, only, so the only question, and obviously he, he, he did finish the chances as well against Ireland. Yeah. The question if he's going to be the creator is who finishes. Because they've obviously Bentner. got not Nicholas Bentner, which is a good thing. They've got Casper Dolberg as their uh, yeah. kind of bright young uh, thing. Yeah. But he's not, he's not yeah. played that much for Denmark. Yeah. No, but I, I, the thing about Tolberg is that I, I can't shake the feeling that there is a really, really good player in there and you just think that it, say he went and got a, say he went and got a brace against Peru in the first game, you just wonder if he, if Denmark played four games at the tournament if he's going to emerge as a real talent because every time I've seen him he's just been really impressive but I think you're making an excellent point, Dan, about how teams are going to play in this tournament and I've, I've seen... Christian Eriksen live twice this season, once at Huddersfield Town, once at Stoke. And he is the only player I've seen who can do what he does is Teddy Sheringham in that he is perpetually in space. Mm. He is always in space. And it's not even the fact that he keeps moving. He's just intelligent enough to take the two steps to the side where he's in space. Mm. And that is going to be so important in some of these games. And... Peru will want to counter quickly and want to play on the front foot. And I just... I, I, Denmark are a very likeable team and I just have a sneaking suspicion that I think they could win that game. And I think Peru's bubble could go flat quite quickly. I hope not, because they would be like massively exciting if they mm. if they really on form and on some. They, they I mean, if you think of Colombia in the last World Cup as yeah. that kind of feel-good yeah, team. Yeah, with yeah. A... Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. But... You do just, there's been so much emotion going into this. Not had a World Cup since 1982. It should have been a celebration and it's been a soap opera. Mm. And you, you just you just hope they can carry it on. But I just think Denmark are a very intelligent, very solid team. But I don't think anybody's going to sort of beat out the side. You've got Denmark second behind France. Denmark. As well? Yeah. Although, yeah. I, it's just like... It is a shame. They like when you talk about this and the, and the stories and, and like, like Ericsson and, and Prue are, are quite fun. That you kind of little part of me wants France as good as they are. And like I mean yeah. that you could play, you could pick any eleven players, like just names out of a hat in that France squad and put them on the pitch, and yeah. they'll be good enough. It doesn't yeah. matter about systems or anything. It's such a good, deep, strong squad. I would really like them to mess it up just to get two <laughs> yeah. like two wild cards into the knockout but you, stages. You look at Group A, right, and. Let's be honest now. None of us are bothered if Russia go through. No. None of us are really bothered if Egypt go through, except for a little bit of narrative if they get that second place and play Spain in yep. the next round. None of us are really bothered if Saudi Arabia go through. It'd be a good story, but they don't. I even, to be honest, even Uruguay, I feel like I've watched them in knockout yeah. rounds the last 10 World Cups. And then so you, you, you look at it. this group and you think, well, there's four sides that I'd actually quite, I'd be quite happy to yeah. see in a knockout yeah. game. Even Australia on the back of the fun we've had them in the past. But that's a World Cup draw, isn't it? That's mm. how it goes. The good thing about this group is it contains the France-Australia game, which is the 11am kick-off. On, on the Saturday. Saturday. On yeah. the Saturday. Breakfast football. Yeah. Mrs K is away that weekend. wonder what I'll be doing with myself on that Saturday. I, I Will quite, I be wearing any clothes? I quite literally should just think, Ryan. <laughs> uh, let's move on to question four before you talk about anything that will libel yourself. 
Sure. And poor Mrs. We K. Haven't, we haven't got there already. Okay. Uh, group D. Are Argentina the giant or the pillar who are most likely to self-implode, fall at the group stage? Uh, Dave's already nodding, so I'll go to him. I'm not nodding. Right. Right. Little bit of behind the scenes chat. Me and Dan have a bet on this. And it's not about I am completely wedded to, but I, me, think, by the way. I think there is a very good chance that Argentina may well struggle in this group. Now, it's based on a few things, so just forgive me for talking for a minute or two, right? The first I thing think is they're the squad. Used to it now. <laughs> right, the, the first thing is the squad, okay? All their strength lies in attack, but even there, they've got Mario Cardi, who's had a couple of he had a couple of games in the Argentinian side and struggled. But they've not taken him. He gets a goal every 3.48 shots, highest rate of any striker in Europe. Higuain has scored six less goals than him in 14 more games, not scored an international goal since 2016, and he's going on reputation. And he's going because Messi likes playing with him. Yeah, he's going on reputation and mm. that's it. And there are there are other people in this squad that you look and you think, do you know what? The second pillar of this is they are so dependent on Messi. It is it is ridiculous. My preview is, is is going out on this tomorrow for the night of recording. And after that game in Ecuador, where he just channeled Roy Race basically to get them through, they're goal down after thirty two seconds. Scores the hat trick, gets them there. After the game, Sao Paulo said we must make sure that everything does not go through Leo. And I put, you know, he almost kept a straight face when he was saying it. it he is their entire game plan. He is the reason they don't always start Aguero. Because Messi, like you say, prefers playing with Higuain. Mm. He is, he is the the. You know, you can argue whether he's greatest all time, but in this World Cup in particular, in this side, in this squad, if he doesn't play, I am telling you, they are going to struggle. Mm. They are really going to struggle. I... And the other side is Dan. Mm. The last couple of things, right? I promise. That midfield is is okay. But it's consistently inconsistent. Yeah, it's so it's, weak. it's whether it whether a couple of players mm. turn up or not. And the other sort of corner to all of this is that I am not sure if they haven't got an implosion in them. If things go badly in that first game, I am not convinced that they won't go. And I'm not saying it will be a, you know player staying on the bus and all that, but I am not convinced that there won't be a pretty deep rift in that mm. squad but anyway you have a chat I want to talk about other teams in this group because Fine. this is there's rarely been a World Cup where you've got a group in it with four wild cards and I want to talk about the other teams as well okay I will let Ryan go and then I'll answer Ryan are you thinking you, you said with group B no it's fine it's Spain and Portugal is this Argentina Croatia same I have absolutely no idea you don't think no I I a, a, a lot of what, well, a lot of what David said, it, it just rings through. That it is frightening to me that a team with the quality of players, especially in the fact that Argentina do, are so reliant on Messi. I, I understand that he is an incredible player, but you have got pl- attacking players that other countries don't have. One player that comes to the quality of mm. their four or five that it's um, it's quite laughable. They should play long ball, <laughs> just hump it forward. They could do worse, you know. As for the other three, I don't know. Toss up. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I feel like this is a step too far for Iceland. I think mm-hmm. this is... But 
is kind of there's so much goodwill around them and and that there will be such a, a spirit amongst their players that why couldn't they go through? Uh, I, got, I, I don't think this is. I don't think this is even Argentina and one other. I think this is two or four, mm. and let's see how it all pans out. Yeah, I think that's fair. My, mine and Dave's gentlemen's agreement yeah. is: I think Argentina will top the group. I don't think they're a great side. I think there's three very quickly very, three reasons for that. One is very simple. I think they are incredibly reliant on Lionel Messi, but I think he is so far and away the best player in this group that I think that might be enough. Fine. The second reason is um, that I think Croatia have got an implosion in them as well. Um, Dave might talk about them in a minute, but behind the scenes, Luka Modric is captain and Dejan Lovren's their best defender and their, their, their former head of the FA has today been, as we recall, been sentenced to seven years in prison. The accusation against Modric and Lovren is that they perjured themselves in a trial to defend him. And they're very serious accusations. And I've been in Croatia recently, and because I'm a nerd and a football addict, I spoke to people, and there is no World Cup fever there. They are very, very angry with those two players, and they are not particularly fussed about the World Cup. And I, I think they that those sort of things, stories for the World Cup, as with Peru, either create a you know, a, a siege mentality that helps them or it divides them. And I worry it might divide Croatia. And the other thing I think Argentina have got going for them is that they should be incredibly happy they're playing Iceland in, the, in Iceland's first ever World Cup game. Because I think there's a chance Iceland might be slightly overawed by that. And again, if Argentina win that first game, 2-0, let's say, and Croatia and Nigeria have a real hard-fought, maybe a draw or whatever, suddenly Argentina think, right, we're in command of this group now. Um, I don't. I agree with you. I don't think they're a classic team. Well, they're not a team, are they? No. They they are a Lionel Messi and hope that the rest do okay. Yeah. I mean, if they top this group, then they could play Peru or Denmark, and I honestly think they they may well go out at that stage. But I wanted. Uh, it's an argument, as I said, that neither of us completely wanted no. to because it could go. It, it could very much go either way. But How good are Nigeria? Well, I want to talk a little bit about the other teams in the group. Nigeria have got, right, first thing is no fear of Argentina whatsoever. They've played them perennially now for 15 mm. years. They beat them in their last friendly and they will really fancy themselves in this game. And what they have is they have a front four, Agalo, uh, Inacho behind him, Iwobi one side, Victor Moses the other. They've got pace. They've got Ndidi and I can't remember the other lad's name next to him. Mikel might play, to be fair. He'll be cover. He'll start on the bench. Mm. But wonderful cover. Don't get me wrong. And he's only 31. He's not over the hill. Um, they. But what, what Gunnar Braun has done is he's really put in a sense of organisation. The first thing he had to do, in a very real sense, was literally just sort travel arrangements out and made sure players were looked after. And that has already given them a huge boost on the pitch. Then he's got them organised and compact. This isn't a Nigeria team who uh, will be their own worst enemy in the style that others have. Mm -hmm. They they will struggle with their goalkeeper. Uh, Ikeme has obviously got terrible illness and he would have played. Yeah. And their defence isn't great, but they will get goals and they will... I There is a world where Argentina versus Nigeria in that third game is both their first knockout game. Without a shadow of a doubt. I, I, I actually think, and you're right to point out that game, I actually think Saturday night, first Saturday night of the World Cup, I think Croatia-Nigeria could be the game of the group stage. Yeah. I think that, because I think if Argentina had beaten Iceland, let's say 2-0 early in that day, mm. 
those two teams go in that knowing, actually, never mind the draw here. We kind of need to win this game. I think yeah. that would be a brilliant game. Well, to talk about the other two, just briefly on Iceland. Iceland's big problem is that Aaron um, Gunnarsson yeah. and Gilfie Sigurdsson, they're two big players. Gunnarsson is their leadership on the pitch. He's the manager's voice on the pitch. And Sigurdsson is the one they look to to provide a little bit of difference. Both coming off bad injuries, both expected to get their match fitness and sharpness in World Cup group yeah. games. They have, they'll be incredibly difficult to beat. It is what Iceland do. It's the foundation of what they do. They beat Croatia in the qualifying stage, but this is a different world for them. And I'm a bit like you, Dan. I, I obviously say this at your peril. Bear in mind they weren't going to qualify for Euros. They weren't going to get out the group at the Euros. They weren't going to beat England at the Euros. They weren't going to qualify for the World Cup. But I honestly think you're right. I think mm. this could be where they come. And there's no shame in that. No, none at all. Um, they're the smallest nation to ever compete at World Cup, which is some going, and it's not even close, right? But Croatia, I think you're you're right, Dan. But again, to go back to my preview, there's two Croatias. There's one that turns up that is plays a shadow of themselves and can't get the rhythm. They're affected by the fans, and Luka Modric is so key to how they play. Mm. It is untrue. Plays up, up but there's another up. Croatia who Modric is on form, Kovacic is on form, you know, Mandzukic is banging them in up Perisic front. Perisic providing for him, yeah. Well, uh, you know, Perisic, I think, will start from the bench. That's how deep... But Croatia's bench, when you look at it, look at their potential first 11. Their bench is as good as anyone up to the top four seats. It really is. They have got a ridiculous amount of attacking mm. talent. And they've got, like, uh, Ante Rebek, who's a really good young player... The, um, the lad who sits is it Bro, Brozinovic or something Bradovic yeah, yeah but he, brilliant um, at, at providing a platform for others to play off Rakitic absolutely wonderful and I think the point I'm getting at is from Croatia you will get one or the other they will win this group mm. or I think they'll go out they, there'll be no in between with them whatsoever and you're right to look at that Nigeria game as key but Nigeria you know, in a, in a group of wild cards, Nigeria are the real wild card mm. because they could, they're going into this with an enormous amount of goodwill, enormous amount of goodwill. They're taking, I believe, thousands of fans. Yeah. They are on a little bit of a high. They got through a really tough qualifying. Yeah, group. they're Cameroon and Algeria Cameroon, in the group. Cameroon, Algeria, and Zambia, who were all fancied to go ahead to go above them and they they run beaten it shows us one defeat but it's because they had an unregistered player in the Algeria game they actually drew that game away 1-1 but it goes down as a 3-0 they have got a real chance of upsetting the odds in this group you really like them don't you I not just the kit which is not very good no I like it no I don't I could never wear it no I'm glad to hear that I just think (laughs) the World Cup needs a couple of teams who are just fun and Nigeria are fun, but not in that way we used to think of Nigeria as, well, anything could happen here. They're fun as in, they really attack with some speed, you know, mm. they really go at teams. And we saw it in the second half against England. The, in the does Ahmed Musa get in this? He's in the squad. Yes, yeah, yeah. 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 the, the, the thing that Nigeria do do, which is England's perennial problem. No, Indeedy, in not Indudu. Okay. <laughs> and that's a real shame. Yeah. But what they do do... Is which England have perennially not done is that they have players who rise for the international team. Yes. Victor Moses playing right wing rather than right wing back. 
Alex Wobi is a different player for Nigeria. Yeah. He's a leader for Nigeria when he struggles for Arsenal. And that, that even Odio Nogalo, who's not scoring yeah. at club level, has been doing okay at Nigeria. All four of those front players are tasked with scoring. Mm. It is not all right, you're a number 10 and you're going to provide. Inacho's job is to get right up around Igalo and score. Mm. Awobi's job is to cut inside and take shots. Victor Moses' job is to drive at players. And that is very attractive to yeah. me as somebody who loves its strikers. To have a team who are just going to go, well, we know where our strengths are, so we're going to try and play to them and ignore our weakness at the back. I just I just think they could be a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and if, if a team above them implodes, whichever one of Croatia or Argentina is... I hope that a team that's giving it a go gets three rather exactly. than an imploder. Fine. Yeah. Right, last question. Uh, we've done the four groups. So, very simply, does the World Cup winner come from this half of the draw, Ryan Keenan? No. Who do you think will win the World Cup? Not one of these four. So, I guess we look, at, we look I think at Spain, Spain and France. France. Spain and France have got the best chance. Fine. And I think... Put your they, neck on the line there. Yeah, yeah. They're the, the two. I think, the, for the reasons outlined, there's no, nobody in Group A... I th- can no. even see in the semis. No, um, Argentina, inspired by Lionel Messi, could make the semis, and and you know once you're in the knockout stage, if you got Lionel Messi, you're in with a puncher's chance. But I think Spain and France are the, the two standout sides in this. There's just little things, the, the major weaknesses about both. That France, I think, got, France got Deschamps problem. Yeah, that, the I think the manager's problem for France. I think for Spain, it's just that how they were exposed at the last World Cup. That it's a different manager and. and Different set of um, obviously a different set of players, but I think that style is is very in vogue, and, and teams will prepare themselves to one of these Spain and, and get up them. One of these makes the final with how the draw mm. works out, mm. doesn't it? So because no, of the way it splits over, there's no okay. guarantee somebody makes the final. I think France have a better side. I think Spain have a better manager. Yeah, and a better team. But I don't I, think. Do you know what? I'm not so sure about that, Dan. Because I think the difference for me is I think France's midfield is not that far off Spain's, but France's strikers are all a good way ahead of mm. Spain's yeah. options. Finding finding Kylian Mbappe as a we're not talking about France, but finding Kylian Mbappe as a as yeah, a, cent, a, cent, a central option mm. um, is a great find with Griezmann kind of just. Yeah. hanging off yeah. him because yeah. there was a stage where and it might still happen but there was a stage where we kind of assumed that it was Olivier Giroud as France's go-to mm. striker and obviously they left out Alexandre Lacazette um, so but there's I think with France they've got there's they've two got options. very different plans though that actually if one isn't working mm. I just, just I keep going Giroud. back to those Euros there where you, Deschamps kept mucking around with his midfield which he's carried on doing all through qualifying in the biggest game there he pulls Pogba into a deeper role to try and counteract Ronaldo's free role. Ronaldo goes off injured. Deschamps just leaves Pogba there for the game, completely nullified him. And then you've got one of the best transfer requests of all time, Moussa Sissoko's performance in that game, <laughs> where he's like rampaging forward exactly where you want Pogba. And Deschamps couldn't see that. And he had a three that didn't suit any of the three in the roles they were playing. So he switched it to a four, which didn't suit any of the four in the roles they were playing. And I look at that and I think, has he honestly found the formula? Has he got the thing? And I'm just not sure. Whereas with Spain, you sort of get the impression that whatever he does, whoever he puts in there, they'll be fine in the role they're given. They're incredibly tactically well educated as yeah. well, aren't they? Um, so you think what sack Deschamps in the morning and gets a down in for the tournament? 
Wenger. <laughs> yeah, Wenger in. Uh, I... I don't think it comes from this side. My, I, I'm very much in all the work and research I've done in all the games I've watched over the last couple of years. I am leaning so heavily towards Brazil. It's untrue, but I think, I think when Spain, if Spain and France play each other, I think one, there is a real chance of it being quite a game, quite a game indeed. Mm. And I also think that, I think. Like I say, I think France is slightly better, but with a worse manager, I, I flip of a coin for me. Mm. Flip of a coin. The, the joy of a of a cup competition is that the best teams don't always win, and that's yes. that, that. Yeah, I'd agree. So with that, yeah. there's not to say that I, I I think if this was a league format, everybody played each other once or whatever. The top two in the league don't come from this side of the draw, and that's I think where when you think yeah. who's mm. the, the final going to be. Yeah, yeah. Fine. Okay. I think I. I, I We've spent a podcast talking about this side of the draw, thoroughly enjoyed ourselves, got all excited. I think the other side of the draw is actually better. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah I, I think it has better teams in it. I agree yeah. with you. Um, I, I also think that perennially with World Cups, because I get very excited about them before, and we all do, and you go through each group, you think, that oh, one's not going to be a good group. That's not. It actually very rarely works out that no, way. The group that you think is going to be is going to be weaker actually becomes incredibly intriguing and you look at group A and you think well actually there's going to be a massive story if Russia go out yeah. a, a basically 10 days into their own yeah. month long tournament yeah. it's going to be incredible to watch that fallout I think, I think that the thing I like about this side of the draw is that other than France nobody's got a good a, a really simple opening game and I don't think Australia are necessarily mm. easy opponents but I think they're, they're tough ones I think Argentina against Iceland, you, can, you know, well, they could go, but there's, as we've done, somebody can, will be in trouble. You can see the decisive game yeah. coming a mile off. Yeah, yeah. and so, so three teams will probably be in trouble after the first day, two, three days. By yeah. the end of Saturday, there'll already be teams kind of scrambling, and, and that will make it That's glorious. when a World Cup gets fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah match day two of a World Cup is just... Glorious. So, yeah. Glorious. Well, we will be back next week with another five questions on groups E, F, G and H. Hopefully with a full complement of podders. We're going to talk about England, aren't we? We are going to talk about England. We are also going to talk about Germany. And we're going to talk about Brazil. And we're going to talk about Belgium. Ooh, Brazil, feelings. Ooh, feelings. <laughs> right, it's Tim Vickery. <laughs> Carnival sex. <Yeah>. <laughs> on that note, I wish you all goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. See you there.